0: Remember the name, Matthew Perna. If you don't know who he was, you should. His funeral was in Sharon, PA, yesterday. His family and friends knew him as Matt. And Matt hanged himself in his garage after being subjected to harassment from the federal government. He was in the Capitol building on January 6th. And he was allowed, that was 2021, of course, and he was allowed in through an open door by the Capitol Police. He was there for about 20 minutes. And left. And a few days later, he found himself on the FBI's most wanted list. He was eventually arrested at his home. And imagine the legal hell he went through for the next 13 months. The local media did the story and his life was destroyed. Um, He eventually entered a guilty plea because he thought he might be sentenced to less than a year. But uh, based on what was happening to other so-called domestic terrorists, what the government was doing to them... He came to believe that he was looking at three or four years in prison and a lot more uh, trouble legally and putting up with what he had to, was going to have to do legally to prevent spending too much time in prison. So what, he, what did he do for all this? Nothing, except walk through an open door and leave. Biden's Justice Department and the FBI were determined to make an example of him, and it got to be too much, so Matt Perna gave up, and he killed himself. His story should have gotten much more attention while he was alive. Since his suicide, it's been getting a lot of exposure, but still not enough. When we come back after this break, I'm going to talk to his aunt, Jerry Perna. Stick around. Right now, get zero interest financing for 12 months and no processing fee. With prices set to increase on all exterior products, lock in your quote today. Schedule a free estimate at windowsarrestpittsburgh.com. Find them at the Pittsburgh Home Show beginning March 4th. You've tried the rest, now try the best. Windowsarrestpittsburgh.com.
1: Attention! This is a special alert for all Americans who own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles with an overpriced auto warranty or no warranty coverage at all. Due to the increase of new and used car prices, repair costs, and the price of gas, people are keeping their cars longer than ever, which is why CarShield is announcing a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan to save any driver out-of-pocket expenses on covered auto repairs. Call now to find out how you can save thousands for covered auto repairs. Yes, you heard that correctly. You could save thousands on future auto repairs. Our specialists are standing by for all drivers to call for a free quick quote. Call 800-708-1855. Vehicle protection plan pricing is at an all-time low. Plus, drivers who purchase this coverage today will receive rental car options, free roadside assistance, and free towing. Call 800-708-1855 now for your free quick quote. That's 800-708-1855. What do you have to lose? Call 800-708-1855. Again, 800-708-1855. Do your pets have the same energy they used to? Do they have problems with itching, scratching, a dull coat, or goopy ears? Then your pets need Dynovite. that contribute to overall good health. Adding a scoop of Dynavite to your pet's food bowl is the answer.
4: If you love your pets as much as I do, you'll want to do what's best for them, to live long, healthy, happy lives. I have two cats and two dogs. All four of them are on the Dynavite.
2: You won't believe how happy your dog will be.
5: our aches and pains and i've loved it for years now almost 70 percent of the more than half a million people who have tried relief factor end up ordering more that's because it works for them the way it worked for me isn't it time for you to get out of pain your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick starter pack for the discounted price of only nineteen ninety five. Go to relieffactor.com, call 800 for relief to find out more about this offer. Feel the difference.
6: This is the John Walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer.
0: Well, it's been almost 14 months since the January 6th incident at the Capitol building in Washington. Still lots of people in prison waiting for a trial date. Matthew Perna couldn't wait any longer. He was harassed by the federal government, was tormented by the local media in his hometown of Sharon, PA. His funeral was yesterday in Sharon. He committed suicide. His aunt, Jerry Perna, is here to tell his story. Jerry, I really appreciate you coming on. I know it's not easy for you. You have our condolences, uh, a terrible loss for you, and uh, I hope you're able to get through it. And I really appreciate you coming on to tell Matt's story. Thank you.
4: Thank you. Thank you for having me. So what
0: would your nephew Matt want the world to know about what he went through?
4: Matt was such a kind and caring soul. Um, If he could help somebody um, through something that he's gone through, or even if he hasn't gone through it, he did. And when we had the funeral yesterday and the day before, it was an endless line of people that we had no idea how he touched their lives. Some of them were at their very lowest point, even suicidal. And they said, Matt, if it weren't for him, if it weren't for Matt, they would not have been here. And we didn't even know these people. And, and so humble. He never talked about things like that.
0: Well, of course, he's... Uh According to many people, he's an insurrectionist now uh, yeah. and a d- domestic terrorist. Um, mm-hmm. But you just described him a little bit. But what what kind of a guy was he? Uh, if we go on a little bit more about how he, just what he did for a living and his family and all that stuff.
4: Well, um, Matt graduated from Penn State University, top of his class. Um, he was in business and um, he graduated business, and he, he was a free spirit, though, and he did a few years working for a couple of companies here in the United States using his degree, and um, he had the opportunity to go to Thailand to teach English. So him and his brother decided they were going to do that for a year, and they went over there, and they absolutely loved it, and he had the travel bug in him at that point. They traveled all over Thailand and Vietnam, and saw every place they could possibly see. And um, after a year in Thailand, um he took a contract to teach English in South Korea. and he these were you know young children. And he stayed there for two years, and he was going to renew another year. And um, that's when his mom got leukemia. and he decided he needed to be home. So he came back to Pennsylvania and uh, was trying to plant roots here, and he tried to, he tried several things because you don't need to teach English in Pennsylvania. Um, and right. so he he started selling um, uh, alkaline water filtration systems because he truly believed that um, alkaline water was much better for your health, and he bought this system and he wanted his mom to drink this water all the time because he believed that the pH in the water was cancer-causing, and he studied constantly. Matt was very much into holistic medicine. He was not big on um, pharma, big pharma and traditional cancer treatments, but, you know, he had to respect his mom's wishes, but he tried everything he could as far as different holistic remedies, and he got so involved in them that he actually began to market them and, uh, that took him to the CBD products, CBD oil products with hemp works. Mm-hmm. And he did very, very well. And he had a huge following on social media where he did educational podcasts and he had guests on who would talk about how CBD oil helped them with certain ailments, but, um, regular medications had no effect and, he built up his social media accounts because of his CBD oil um, knowledge and, and his sales. And um, that's basically how he built up such a presence on social media what, through that.
0: Why did he go to Washington that day?
4: Well, um, that started out actually as a Bernie Sanders supporter. He was not a Trump supporter from the beginning. He was not. And, um, the election after, after some time with Bernie Sanders, Matt opened his eyes and decided he was going to support president Trump. And, um, and he did, he he supported them and he went to a couple different rallies when he was running and, um, the stop, the Steel rally was something that was important to him because he did not. Agree with the the election results, mm-hmm. considering all of the proof that was out there that you know, eighty eight million people that voted for him. It just he just couldn't couldn't agree with that. Right. Didn't agree with it. So we thought, you know, we would. Um, he thought he would go and uh, go to the rally and and um, and he did. And he it was. Overwhelming, I guess the, the number of people and everything and and he was there with a group and they they got split up because of the crowd and and he and a friend were kind of together and it was kind of a, a, a thing where there were just so many people and the excitement and and uh, he he went in with the crowd and the, the door, he told me that the door was open, Aunt Jerry and it was open. And there were police there, and he says, I thought to myself, um, how could it be wrong? If it was wrong, the police wouldn't let me in if I wasn't allowed to go in. He said there was no signage or anything. And I guess from the videos that I saw, um, by the time he reached the Capitol, the the fencing was was not there. So he didn't even know that there was fencing Uh at that point. It was down, and so there wasn't any barriers. And... And like I said, he said, I walked through an open door. He said, nobody stopped me. They stood to the side. They waved us in. Come on in. Move it. Move it. And he went in and he said, he showed me the video on his phone before they took the phone off of him and they took his social media. It was just basically him holding the phone up in the air like people do when they go to an event and just walking through the rotunda and. He said, we got to the other side, and he said, that it was like we were going out the back door. He said, so we turned around, like, we were going to go out the door. We came in, and that's when there were the police were standing there with barriers, and they just kind of shuffled everybody out the door, and that was the end of that.
0: And when, when did he find out that he was in trouble with the federal government for doing that?
4: Actually, it was uh, me that found out, because somebody was posting on Facebook that the FBI had put a had put a site on and put a bunch of photographs on their site um, for people they were looking for that went to the Capitol. And I clicked on it, you know, looking at these pictures of people. And I think I got to like the fourth page and my heart, my heart just sank because I saw Matt's picture on there. And I, I was just, I, I was speechless. And it was 2 o'clock in the morning. I, was, I wasn't sleeping that night. It was 2 o'clock in the morning when I found it. And um, I, I called um, my brother, not Matt's dad. I called a different brother up here because I, I don't live in Pennsylvania anymore. And I said, um, Matt's picture is on the FBI website. He said, oh, my God. I said, I don't think he knows. And I said, you better, you better go over and tell him. And he says, "I'll go over there at six o'clock in the morning." And um, by the time he got there, Matt had already known because somebody else saw his picture on there and alerted him to it. Well, and that was when it, the nightmare began.
0: Yeah, and uh, what his rea- what was his reaction, uh, knowing that he did what you just described, what he said he did, what he said he did, and then he finds himself on a FBI wanted list.
4: He was, I mean, he was in shock. You know, he, he had no idea he did anything wrong. I know this sounds naive, but you're walking to a building, the door is open, the police say, oh, come on in. Why would you question that as being a crime?
0: And what was he uh, initially charged with?
4: He was charged with just um, trespassing. um Parading and disorderly conduct, and we questioned the disorderly conduct. And exactly what was he doing that was disorderly? And they said, right. "Oh, that that's grouped in together with the trespassing." And
0: and, and uh, there there are people who who were there who are still in prison and have not yeah. not had a, even a trial date yet. Why was no. why was he not taken to, to jail immediately? And some of the other people were. Do you think?
4: Well, Matt. You know, Matt saw his picture on there, and, you know, like 3 o'clock in the morning, and he called a friend who was a former law enforcement officer. He was retired, and he told him, he says, what should I do? He says, Matt, I, I what you do is you call the local FBI office, and you simply turn yourself in, call them. And so that's what Matt did at 9 o'clock that morning. He had already called Called the FBI in, in Newcastle,
0: and and and, and, and so what, what he was he didn't he didn't spend any time in a jail cell.
4: He was just, no no. They um, questioned him. They got his story, and they said if you need to, um, if you need if we need any more questions, if we need, have any more questions for you, we'll be in touch. And they left didn't arrest him that day or anything like that. And, um, I think they, no, they didn't take his phone. They didn't do anything. They just questioned him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he, I was, I was, you know, like I said, I live out of state and I said, I think, I think you need to get a lawyer. Oh yeah. I said, "I, I don't think you've heard the end of this. And, um, So So, I got on a plane and I flew up here and we were given a name somebody, a friend recommended, a friend's attorney recommended another attorney because this particular attorney of the friend was not a criminal mm -hmm. lawyer. And so he was, he recommended this attorney and, and we met with him on a Sunday. It was like, it was like this may have happened Oh, I don't know. Maybe it happened on a Wednesday when he talked to the police by Sunday or Thursday. He talked to the police by Sunday. We already had a return. We had an attorney on retainer.
0: OK, I don't have a lot of time. To- I don't have a lot as much time as I'd like here, Jerry. We're talking to Jerry Perna, and she's the aunt of uh, Matthew Perna, who committed suicide and uh, had his funeral yesterday in Sharon, PA, after being uh, harassed by the federal government. That's what I want to get to. We have about five minutes left here Um so what you described there is bad enough, but what, what got him to the point where he decided that he had no hope and he decided to kill himself from what you well, just at described one point,
6: to
4: then. after they had put the three misdemeanors on him, at one point, you know, we, we met with the attorney. The attorney said, oh, I've got this. This is nothing. This is nothing. Don't worry about it. You know, Matt had turned himself in. He had no previous record. When I tell you Matt was as clean cut as they come, he's never even had a parking ticket in his life. Okay. Mm-hmm. Never had an altercation. So that coupled with the fact that he turned himself in and the story that he gave, um, the attorney didn't think this was going to go anywhere. And, uh, the next thing, you know, the police, uh, the FBI called and said they had a few more questions. I happened to be up here at the time and I just had a sick feeling. And, and, uh, we, we were out, we came back to the house and there were six, FBI agents in the driveway. And that's when they arrested him. They took him to Newcastle and they charged him with the three misdemeanors. And so after that, um, you know, we got the attorney and a few, Oh, I guess it was about the timeline. is hard to remember. He had a, he had a hearing coming up to officially be charged with the misdemeanors. And it was around that time that they, they gave everybody that felony charge of obstruction of Congress. Remember, well, they, I don't know if you remember, they, they like yeah. 170 people all at one time, all of a sudden now had a felony charge. So now, and that's when it got
0: now he's in danger of being convicted of a felony. Uh, so yes. uh, we're uh, trying to speed this up a little bit, just, uh, I hate to do this, but why did he plead guilty?
4: Um, it was one of these things that, As far as mental torture goes, every time he had a hearing, it got postponed. It was a delay for discovery or a delay for this or a delay for that. And months and months, every single time there was a a hearing, it got delayed and it was weighing on him heavily. And um, he was just so depressed and so worried and so full of anxiety. He just wanted it over with. Mm Mm-hmm. And basically, his attorney said, if we go to trial, it's going to drag out. It's going to take a long time, and um, this isn't going to be over very quickly. And um, Matt was just overcome with worry. And every time there was a hearing, the, of course, the local newspaper had to put that horrible picture of him that they had every single time on the front page.
0: The Sharon and
4: he was yep. Yes. And, um, and it was... It was horrible. It was absolutely, it was a nightmare. And it was just, it weighed him down. And the worry and the grief and the anxiety was just constantly shadowing over him. And, um, his attorney says, you know, I, I just don't think you're capable of standing a trial after the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. He said, you see what they did to that kid yeah. up there? Yeah. This is, this is going to be hard. This is going to be rough. And you're going to be in a, in front of a jury of, of, um, not not Trump supporters that's for sure. Right. And they're going to judge you harshly and you could fare worse than if you plead guilty.
0: What kind of sentence so, did he expect from for after he pled guilty?
4: After well, he was he was told he would probably get um 6 months to a year. But then his hearing, his sentencing hearing was supposed to be on March 3rd and um the Monday before Matt killed himself, he was yeah today, and this is this is the day his mother died. March third was supposed to be his sentencing hearing. The same day his mother died, and um, he was supposed to be sentenced today. And last Monday, he got a phone call from his attorney telling him that they are looking to add additional charges onto him. This is also and for- they are postponing the hearing in, in, indefinitely until they come up with additional charges. So this is all from the Justice Department.
0: So he was looking at more weeks or months of not knowing what's going on, and looking at a possible several years in prison. And that's, and that's exactly. What, that's what, uh, and I only have about a minute left. But that—that's the harassment that drove him to do what he did.
4: Yes, the the worry was was he he couldn't handle it anymore. He couldn't handle one more one more day, and, and that, the thought of going to jail for years. Was more than he could bear,
0: and all this was—he uh, he had proof basically that all he did was walk in the building through an open door, stay there for twenty minutes, and leave. And this is what happened to his yeah. life.
4: He had his cell phone in his hand. He recorded his, his, you know, yeah. And they—they they had all of that, of course, but they weren't looking for the truth. They're not looking for the truth in in any of these cases, actually.
0: They're looking to make an example, correct?
4: Yes, but I mean. To the fact that he had no altercation with any police, didn't break anything, didn't touch anything, didn't harm anybody, but yet he was looking at a sentence harsher than anybody's sentence that has been given so far.
0: It's, it's unbelievable what happened, uh, Jerry, and I'm really sorry about it. It's a tragedy. It's a it's a it's criminal what what, what happened to him, and I'm glad you're getting a chance to tell your story. I know uh, the story's been told on uh, Tucker Carlson's show. And I'm glad you got a chance to tell it here, and I hope you continue to tell it. And I hope you make Thank sure you. people remember his name. You've done a good job of I hope people do it.
4: remember his name. I do.
0: Matthew Perna is his name, and Jerry Perna is his aunt. And we really appreciate you coming on, Jerry. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we'll be right back.
1: With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Many Ukrainians have been killed by a Russian strike in northern Ukraine. Whilst in the south, Ukrainian forces battling Russian troops at the edge of a major nuclear hub. Karen Chamas with the update. Ukraine's State Emergencies Agency has said that over 20 civilians have been killed by a Russian strike in the city of Chernihiv, which holds approximately 280,000 people. The mayor of Enerdohar, site of Europe's largest nuclear plant, has said that a battle is raging on the outskirts of the city. An is a major energy hub that accounts for about one quarter of the country's power generation, which is Europe's largest. The mayor also warned residents not to leave their homes as a big Russian convoy was approaching the city. I'm Karen Chamas. The Stocks have turned lower. The Dow is down 42 points. The Nasdaq off 192. This is SRN New.
7: So when we brought him home, we didn't realize that Bear, the rescue dog, was actually sick. He had very flaky skin. He was dropping a lot of fur, and LeVette wanted to do steroid injections, special dog food. Nothing seemed to work, so I was at a dead end.
4: D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot
7: com. I've been hearing Dinovite on the radio for years. It never actually crossed my mind to try it until it finally sunk in. Oh, you're talking about hair and skin. And all right. (laughs) I'll try it. Well, it took probably six weeks, but after we started using Dynavite, no more flaky skin, he doesn't scratch and itch, and he started to put weight on.
4: Dynavite is nutrition.
7: I wish that we would have started the Dynavite right away. It would have been so much easier. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. Every rescue dog in America deserves Dynavite for 90 days.
4: D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com.
1: As you watch the heartbreaking videos of what Russia is doing to Ukraine, you begin to wonder, what is America's role on the world stage? Is the strategy of leading from behind, which Obama came up with, still in place under President Biden? Or should America be a leader on the world stage? Does America have a president who's competent and able to handle each crisis as it comes? Or are we weak and ineffective? Stay tuned right here if you want the answers. AM 1250, The Answer.
5: Head out on the highway.
0: Two powerful wheels. Riding season is around the corner and Pit Cycles has what you're looking for. This is John Steigerwald. Stop by Pit Cycles today for a huge selection of bikes from KTM, Indian, and Triumph. 114 models to choose from in a fun, pressure-free environment. With demand high and supply limited, now is the time to order. Pre-order today for just a dollar in Warrendale next to Jurgles or at
2: PitCycles.com. Pit Cycles! Hey, I'm Andy.
1: Enjoy. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP, Pittsburgh. W223CS, Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the answer mobile app smart speakers, tune in, iHeart or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer.
2: Finishing out our afternoon with plenty of delays still out there. On the Parkway West, a little sluggish inbound Greensby to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Parkway East. Your outbound trip still really heavy. Approaching Boulevard of the Allies to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Up to 10 minutes or more extra getting through that. Inbound slow 2nd Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Outbound 28, heavy Route 8 to the Highland Park Bridge. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM
1: 1250, the answer, weather. We'll see partly cloudy skies for tonight. Expect a nighttime low of 16. Times of clouds and sunshine for tomorrow. Tomorrow's high, 43. For Saturday, we'll start off the weekend warmer, cloudy skies in the morning. Then we'll see periods of clouds and sunshine for the afternoon. A great day to be outside. Saturday, will reach a high of 67. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, if you were able to
0: stomach the big guy's speech Tuesday night, you heard him announce that... Uh, He had chosen Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson to nominate uh, for a seat on the Supreme Court. She's black, and if you criticize the choice for any reason, you can count on being called a racist by a Democrat or one of their friends in the media. John G. Malcolm is the vice president for constitutional government and director of the Center for Legal and Judicial Studies at the Heritage Foundation. He's here to tell you the Democrats, especially Joe Biden, have nothing to be proud of when it comes to women and minorities, Who were nominated Uh, John thanks for being here
3: no it's my pleasure it's good to be with you so um, let's
0: start with Joe Biden uh, who said placing a black woman on the Supreme Court was long overdue he had his chances to add minorities to the court didn't he
3: yeah so you know look the the Democrats like appointing liberal judges or or people with policies they agree with women and minorities to the bench and they're not so happy Uh, when Republican presidents nominate women and minorities uh, to the bench. So, for example, uh, when Joe Biden was uh, chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Clarence Thomas uh, came up for confirmation to the D.C. Circuit. He actually uh, he voted to confirm him to the D.C. Circuit. But he said a bizarre statement at the time. He told Thomas, now, if you come back here again, Uh, and you're nominated to the supreme court it'll be a whole new ball game and in true to form a year and a half later when thomas was nominated uh to the supreme court uh biden uh, voted against confirming him and and tried to lead an effort uh, to defeat him he also twice filibustered janice rogers brown uh you know an african-american woman raised in rural alabama in poverty moved out to california put herself through law school as a single working mom and then was you know appointed to the California Supreme Court, a very eminent jurist. Uh, he twice voted to filibuster her uh, for the D.C. Circuit. She was widely mentioned at the time as a potential replacement for Sandra Day O'Connor, and Biden went on TV and said, you know, if she gets nominated to the Supreme Court, it is very, very, very likely, he used the word very three times, very likely that she was going to be filibustered. At the time, the filibuster was a very important uh, a procedural tool and it likely killed any chances that janice roger brown had of being a supreme court justice and if she had been nominated and confirmed she would have been the first african-american uh supreme court justice on the court he did the same kind of thing with miguel estrada uh he, he voted to filibuster miguel estrada very eminent uh dc attorney uh six times uh he did it when estrada was nominated to the to the dc circuit uh, and there was a leaked internal memo from the Democrats that said that they were very worried about Estrada, that he's Latino, and the, the White House appears to be grooming him to be the first Hispanic uh, Supreme Court justice. And so Biden led the fight to uh, to make sure that didn't happen. And in general, the Democrats, you know, they, they are, they're running around saying, oh, anybody who questions Katanji Brown Jackson just has to be a racist or a misogynist. But well, when President Trump nominated minority and women, uh, you know, to the appellate courts, uh, they, they gave them the back of their hand, and Chuck Schumer voted against 20 of the 21 women in minorities whom Trump nominated to the federal appellate benches. So, you know, they, they like they the women in minorities whom they like, uh, and they are quick to brand uh, anybody who questions their favorites uh, as uh, as racist, and that's just wrong.
0: Yeah, and I don't remember um, any cries of racism were racist uh, w- in the case of uh, Judge Janice Rogers Brown. I, 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 I don't remember that one as well as I do remember Miguel Estrada. for some reason um, that name sticks out to me more than uh, Janice Rogers Brown does. I, I, I remember that very well. Um, but the media and the demo- other Democrats um, there, there was no they were never questioned. Uh, their 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 racism was never never uh, questioned, or their their willing to uh, their willingness to have diversity on the court was never questioned.
3: Yeah, certainly not, <laughs> not that I recall. Uh, so they're going to object to uh, you know, first of all, conservative presidents nominate people who are originalists and textualists. Yeah. They, they're not they're not looking to see whether you're a woman or a minority. You know, they, these are they're not. Job qualifications or demerits—they shouldn't determine whether you're going to be a good judge or a bad judge. Uh, but there are very, very few conservative minority lawyers out there. Uh, but you know, the the Democrats have no problem trying to fight those that are nominated and getting them rejected, and then turning around and saying, "Well, Republicans don't want, aren't interested in diversity on the bench." It's just not true.
0: So, but when they when they have shown um, um, a, an ability to shut down. A nomination of a of a minority. Have the people uh, who have replaced them and ended up with those jobs, whether it be the Supreme Court or the lower courts, were they any less conservative than the than the than the minority candidates that they rejected?
3: Probably not. I'd have to go through each one and sort of see where they yeah. where they ended up. But there was a real symbolic value. Having, I mean, you know, President Biden's been running around saying how historic it will be mm-hmm. if Benji Brown Jackson uh it gets to be you know confirmed to the Supreme Court. Well, it certainly would have been no less historic if Janice Rogers Brown had been confirmed uh, to the Supreme Court. The only the only change is is that it would have been a Republican president who put her on the bench rather than a Democratic president.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned Chuck Schumer uh, and the twenty of twenty one women and minorities, and that's just recently because those these are uh, these are uh, people nominated by Trump, so it's it, it, he's he's done it very recently to
3: shut them down. Yeah. No, that's that's right. So Trump, I mean, he nominated more women and minorities to the district court, but right, these are right. appellate court nominees. Yeah, he rejected 20 of 21. Vice President Harris uh, did the same thing. She didn't vote on seven of those nominees. I'm not sure where she was. And she voted against 13 of the remaining 14 uh, women and minorities whom the president wanted to appoint to the bench to stand up there and say, oh, it's, you know, Republicans who question a nominee's bona fides are somehow racist. But the Democrats were pristine for you know, trying to defeat these highly qualified uh, minority men and you know, men and women uh, whom President Trump was naming to the bench. It's just
0: hypocritical. Well, and, and this is Kamala Harris, who's only vice president because of the color of her skin. If she's, well, the
3: president certainly placed energetic. the premium on uh, yeah. yeah, well, the president certainly has placed a premium on, on uh, uh, you know, picking, picking Kamala Harris, a minority, to be vice president. And, and look, he made this pledge to appoint uh, an African-American woman to the court when he was running for president and behind in the polls. And that pledge got him uh, the endorsement of Jim Clyburn, the most popular Democrat in the state of South Carolina. He won the South Carolina primary. And he rode that victory all the way to the White House. So that, that pledge was critical to his winning. You know, I'm not a big fan of identity politics one way or the other, but it, it, it certainly helped him.
0: Yeah, we're talking to John Malcolm. He's the vice president for constitutional government at the uh, – and he's the director of the Center for Legal and Judicial Studies at the Heritage Foundation. Um, I, I'm not an attorney, and I'm, you know, I, I'm not an expert on this by any means, but I'm – just as a citizen – i've I've never understood even I've never even understood the the idea that you have to have a certain number of minorities uh, on a jury if if a uh, if a minority is on trial any more than you should have a certain number of white jurors if it's a white person on trial even going to that low level of of um, of judicial issues um so i I just don't understand how we've it's evolved to the point where someone would think that uh the, a person's race or gender should have anything to do with how they rule on a Supreme, uh, in a Supreme Court situation when you're just supposed to be interpreting the Constitution and why a black person or a female should be expected to rule any differently because of the, their gender or their race. It, it, when did it get to that?
3: Yeah, look, I, well, Barack Obama, when he was president, uh, talked about how one thing he looked for was, was empathy. Yes. Uh, in a judge and whether the judge has walked in the shoes of you know, the kinds of people who appear before them. I, I must say, to, to her credit, when Katanji Brown-Jackson was nominated from being a district court judge to the D.C. Circuit last year, she was asked about what role race plays uh, in her decision. And then she said, and this is a quote, I don't think that race plays a role in the kind of judge that I have been and that I would be in any way. You know, she says, I look at the arguments, the facts, and the law, and, and, you know, try to get it right. And yes, Lady Justice is supposed to, she wears a blindfold and she holds an evenly balanced scale for a reason. But there are people out there who want Lady Justice to peek from behind the <laughs> blindfold and weight the scales uh, so that, you know, to advantage uh, wh- whoever they, they think ought to be advantaged, usually people of color or minorities. Yeah. I mean, it'd be. I think that's as bad as if you had a white, a white judge who said, well, I grew up in the upper class, or the middle class, and that's my experience, and I'm going to weigh scales in favor of yeah, yeah, that." Yeah, that's,
0: <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I, if you, you're, you may not, and she, I, I take her for her word that she doesn't think uh, race has influenced any of her decisions, but her life experiences have, and I don't even think they should count. It, it, it just shouldn't, it, what happened to you should not
3: uh, have anything to do with it. Um, no, that's right. They're supposed to evaluate facts and law and and yeah. and, try, yeah, and try to apply the law faithfully and equitably.
0: And I guess that's out the window now. Do, do you think the uh, Republicans who are accused of being racist or are about to be accused as soon as they question um, Katanji uh, Brown Jackson's qualifications or maybe ask her too many tough questions, do you think the Republicans who are accused of being racist have the guts to battle uh, – I'm sorry, to rattle – um, you know, to rattle off the records of Biden, Harris, Elizabeth Warren, Dick Durbin, the rest of the Democrats, you, 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 and uh, your piece at the Daily Signal, you, uh, you, you kept score on that and showed how they all voted <laughs> against uh, minorities and women it, it, to a, a huge degree. Are they going to have, will the Republicans bring it up? Uh, look, I,
3: I think that they're going to treat they're going to treat Katanty Brown, Jackson, ask a tough question. So they're going to treat her with respect. They can just expect that attack. It's already begun. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, Elizabeth Warren has said that they're using that they switched from racial dog whistles to racial sirens. I mean, the, the accusations are going to come, and they should absolutely have no hesitation whatsoever about recounting the history that I outlined in my article.
0: Yeah, and and if it, if the Republicans. Um, were to automatically say, Well, we approve. As soon as he named her, well, okay, yeah, she's a black woman, so she's in. We won't have any tough questions for her. Wouldn't that be in itself, I don't know if racist is the right word, but it would be bigotry or, uh, it would be, uh, something that's not supposed to happen in a, in a, in a uh, a, a democratic procedure like that?
3: Well, you it could either be that overwhelmingly they think she is terrific uh, in light of the fact that she only got 53 votes last year to elevate her to the D.C. Circuit. I don't think that that would be the case. Mm -hmm. You know, it could arguably be condescending if they didn't think that she would be up to the task of answering those tough questions before the Senate Judiciary Committee. But I think she's going to be equal to that task. She did it last June. They've already scheduled these hearings to begin on March 21st, which is remarkably short, so they must have a lot of confidence. that She is ready to face the gauntlet of the Senate confirmation hearing. And I think that she will be treated with respect. There are not going to be kind of character assassinations Clarence Thomas and Brett Kavanaugh were subjected to. But it's important that she be asked tough questions about her views on different areas of the lawsuit in cases that she's already decided or about her traditional philosophy. I mean, just last year, she said, She didn't really have a judicial philosophy, which is rather shocking for someone who's been a judge for nine years already. And, of course, if she's on the Supreme Court, her judicial philosophy is going to matter an awful lot. So she should not be allowed to get away with an answer like that.
0: Is um, Ketanji Brown-Jackson as qualified as Janice Rogers Brown was at the time? When was that, 2003?
3: (laughs) It was early in the 2000s. I mean, Janice Rogers Brown, I mean, if you're looking for, for people who've had life experiences, You know, Janice Rogers Brown uh, had real life experiences. Kataji Brown, Jackson, you know, it's fine. She went to Harvard and Harvard Law School and met her husband, who's a surgeon. She was raised uh, in Miami by a a school attorney and a a high school principal. I mean, she's had a nice upbringing, but if you want to talk about real life experiences where somebody had to struggle to overcome a real prejudice, uh, Janice Rogers Brown certainly gets the nod there.
0: Well, is, uh, I don't know how much you've looked at um, Ketanji Brown Jackson's uh, record, but is is there anything that you know of in her record that makes you think she will stick to the Constitution when ruling on cases? How, how confident are you that she'd be a? I mean, she's going to be a liberal judge, but is she going to be uh, a radical liberal
3: judge? Well, certainly on a number of issues, she skewed pretty hard left. Things like immigration. And labor dispute she certainly came down very hard on the trump administration uh you know compelling don McGann the former white house counsel to testify over an assertion of executive privilege by by the president she, as a dc circuit judge she joined an opinion that uh is going to uh, allow the national archives to turn over all kinds of material to the january 6th commission uh that the house of representatives is, is holding over the objections of president Uh, Trump. So, you know, we'll have to see whether or not she can apply the law fairly. Mm -hmm. Uh, she hasn't ruled on a lot of constitutional questions so far as I can tell. Uh, but she has done things like uphold the Small Business Administration program that, that favored, uh, socially disadvantaged individuals and minorities. So these are all fair game, you know, things to ask her about, whether she puts a thumb on the scale when she's interpreting the law and the Constitution.
0: Now we see cases of judges who uh, were appointed by Republicans or conservative uh, presidents, and they tend to uh, – sometimes they don't uh, make conservatives as happy as they thought they were going to be. John mm-hmm. Roberts would be an example of that. He's voted with the liberals quite a bit. Um what are the chances that, that she would – and I guess the question I was going to ask you was uh, it doesn't seem to happen the other way very often, that liberal judges don't very often disappoint liberals by voting with the conservatives, but it, but vice versa happens a lot.
3: No, they certainly don't. I mean, you name John Roberts. Yeah. You could name Earl Warren, William Brennan, David Souter, Sandra Day O'Connor. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a long, long list. Of uh, of Republican appointed justices, Harry Blackmun, who Ro- wrote Roe versus Wade, you know, who have disappointed uh, uh, Republicans. You'd have to go back to Byron White, who was appointed by President Kennedy, to find a justice who disappointed some people on uh, on the left. Uh, I do not expect that uh, Ketanji Brown Jackson would uh, disappoint liberals if she got appointed. In fact, President Biden made it very very clear that he has an explicit litmus test when it comes to Roe versus Wade uh, for his nominees. And she ought to be asked whether she made a promise to the president about how she would rule in particular cases. Lord alone knows the Democrats have no qualms about asking those questions of Republican nominees.
0: Is the court, uh, let's just say she gets, uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson gets uh, appro- uh, gets nominated. Confirmed, and, and, yeah, confirmed. That's what I was looking for. Um, is, the, is the court going to be any more liberal than it was with Breyer?
3: Well, you know, maybe on it, you, you're right to raise the point that it's replacing a quote-unquote liberal with a liberal. It's not nearly as earth-shattering as, say, replacing Ruth Bader Ginsburg with Amy Coney Barrett. Right. On the other hand, Justice Breyer, uh, who was a former member of the Sentencing Commission, just like Judge Jackson, he often ruled with the government in criminal uh, cases. He would give business in business disputes. I think he was very even-handed on um, the big social issues, abortion, racial preferences, the death penalty, things like that. Uh, he was a pretty reliable liberal vote, and I would expect the same thing from Judge Jackson, if she's Justice Jackson.
0: Yeah, well, we'll see, uh, and um, it's going to be coming up pretty soon. should be an interesting uh, battle, but I, I don't have a lot of confidence that the Republicans are going to be too tough on her, uh, but we'll see what happens, I guess. Um John yeah. John Malcolm, uh, Vice President for Constitutional Government and the Director of the Center for Legal and Judicial Studies at the Heritage Foundation. Thanks for coming on.
3: It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me on.
0: Okay, we'll be right back.
6: Have you ever thought you'd like to buy and sell houses but didn't know how or where to get the money? My name is Ron Legrand, and over the past 40 years, I've bought over 3,000 houses without using my money or credit and taught thousands to do the same. Today, even in a virtual environment, we buy nice houses and nice neighborhoods using no banks, realtors, contractors, or other costly entanglements, and build huge cash flow and wealth without the hassle of tenants, all without credit and little or no money. You don't need a license or experience, and I'll show you exactly how it's done. Text RON to 99799, and I'll send you my free training. I promise I'll change the way you think about real estate and open the door to a new lifestyle that doesn't involve risk or rehabs and can quickly replace your current income. Text RON to 99799 and let me show you how to take your life back and build cash flow and wealth from your home. That's RON to 99799. Again, text RON to 99799.
1: My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home.
5: Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, call Select Quote at 1-800-940-6161. That's 1-800-940-6161. Or go to Selectquote.com. That's 1-800-940-6161. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. This is the John Walt Show on AM
6: 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer.
0: Well, I want you to remember that name again, uh, Matt Perna. Uh, Matthew is, was his actual name, but they called him Matt. He's from up in Sharon, PA. I, I worked in Sharon, PA. my first job. I lived up there for a year, met my wife there. So um, <clears throat> I have kind of a little bit of a, a feel for the community up there. It's a small town. Uh, and um, they, as you heard his aunt say, that lots of people showed up for the funeral, people they had no idea that he had uh, touched or affected, but uh, that's a story that everybody needs to hear. This guy started out shocked that he was even charged with anything. Then he's charged with, uh, he finds out he's going to be charged with three misdemeanors, even though all he did was walk through an open door right in front of the cops and do nothing, take some pictures and leave. And then he's on the FBI wanted list and he gets ready to plead guilty to the three misdemeanors. And he finds out that they're going to throw in another felony charge, which could mean he's going to go to prison for three or four years, maybe. Uh, I think there was one case of a a guy with a similar uh, charge. He got 41 months. So he was looking at something like three to four years in prison. So the poor guy hangs himself. He's dead over walking into the Capitol building and spending 20 minutes there and then leaving. Terrible. I hope the story gets a lot more uh, coverage. I'm glad to have been able to tell uh, this audience about it. And I hope uh, you remember his name, Matthew Perna. Talk to you tomorrow.
1: The John Staggerwalt Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh
6: and Salem Media Group.